As Pastor Jim mentioned, um, we're ki- I'm kicking this series off. It's a four-part series on prayers that agree with heaven. And your next three speakers will be much better than me, so look forward to that, all right? So, um, how many people remember, well, before I start that, you know, um, this year, Pastor Jim has uh, said that our theme for the year is living on purpose. So, when you're living on purpose, prayer is like top of the, top of the line. That's where it all starts. Everything flows from that. All right. So when you came in tonight, you should have gotten a handout of two papers. And if you didn't have one, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. So these two papers are uh, basically some outlines that you can add to if you want. And um, we'll get into this. How many people remember the old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Prayer is one of the most important tools that a Christian has. It's how we talk to God. It's a way our relationship with God grows. Our intimacy with God gets sweeter. It's how we partner with God, and it's how we get heaven to invade earth. So we know that there are many benefits to prayer, but have you ever considered the lack of prayer, how costly that is? So tonight I'm, I'm going to, you got two pages there, so I'm going to talk about basically the foundation, the basics of prayer, of effective prayer. And I'm doing this in two parts. Uh, the first part I kind of think of as prerequisites. And then we'll get into how to pray. All right? So, have you ever considered the cost of the lack of prayer? James 4.2 says, you have not because you ask not. So, prayerlessness produces lack in our lives. Sometimes we forget to pray and we think, oh well, you know, God's sovereign. He'll work it out and it's all good, right? But the Bible tells us you have not because you ask not. Well, why is that? Well, it's because God chooses to partner with us. He doesn't just run off on his own and, uh, or he didn't, he's not like the deist to think where uh, God just set everything in, mo- in motion like a, like a top spinning and let us go on our own. But he works with us. He partners with us. So when we don't pray, we don't do our part, and we miss out on God's best for us. In Mark 14, 38, Jesus said, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The implication here is that when we enter into temptation that we don't have grace for because we don't pray. Prayerlessness creates a battle that I didn't need to fight because 
we didn't need to take that time and invest it in prayer. And it pays many dividends. So there's tons of information and teachings on prayer. And obviously, we're not going to cover everything in four weeks on prayer. But uh, hopefully, you'll be encouraged to pray. And you will walk away with some good, useful tips that you can apply to your prayer life to make it more effective. So starting with the basics, our key verse is James 5.16. And that says that uh, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So we all want our prayers to be powerful and effective. We want to be righteous people who pray with great power. That produces results. So does it really matter how we pray as long as we're praying? Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he started out with what not to do. So I'm going to go through a couple of things of what not to do. First, in Matthew 6, 5, Jesus said, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray publicly, standing in synagogues and in the corners of the streets, so that they may be seen by men. So you can see that they are looking for attention or accolades. But God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. You know, sometimes we do that. You know, we're in a group, in a home group, or we're praying in front of people, and you want to sound like intelligent, you want to sound spiritual or, or whatever. And sometimes we get caught up on trying to use fancy words or something like that. You know, that doesn't impress God. So we definitely don't want to be like the hypocrites. Another thing we don't want is Matthew 6, 7. He said, when you pray, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. So vain repetition is something we do not want to do. You know, sometimes we use vain repetition and we don't mean to. I remember when I was a kid and I learned how to pray. my parents taught me, you know, before you eat, we say grace, and we say, God is good, God is great. Let us thank him for our food. Amen, right? And then uh, before bed, we used to pray, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray, dear Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray, dear Lord, my soul to take. Great little prayers for kids, right? But I remember as a kid saying, uh, you know, being tired of going to bed, and I'd start with my prayers, and I'd say, God is good, God is great. Oh, wait a minute. Now he lay me. I'm sure you guys don't pray that way, but, you know, how effective of a prayer. I mean, it's cute when a little kid does that kind of thing, right? But as adults, when you, if you talk to your friend, you wouldn't want to just repeat something that you learned over and over and over. It's like even the Lord's Prayer that we're going to go over tonight. Jesus didn't teach it to us so we could repeat it back to him. He taught it as a model. All right. So another thing we don't want to do is have just a wish list. Have you ever done that? Just rattle off like a million things that, well, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I want that. Um, and then, oh, yeah, I'll, supposed to pray for other people too, and they need this and that and this and that. (laughs) So 
The Bible tells us in uh, Matthew 6, 8, that your father already knows our needs before we ask. It kind of changes the perspective of when we come to God and pray. Another don't. Now, this is a big one. It had a big impact in my life. It's don't worry out loud. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Because that's the way it is for some people. That's, that's really all they do. They, they, they come to God when they have a problem and they just say, God, I, I, I just don't know what to do. I've got this bill. I, I, I don't know how to pay it. And like God didn't know you had the bill. And, um, you know, what am I going to do about it? And we sit there to fret. We got to remember who we're talking to. We got to remember why we're coming to him. And who is it that we're coming to? And what is our relationship with him? Do we really need to be worried about it? Do we really need to fret? So let's remember who we're talking to. So let's go back to James um, chapter 5, verse 15 to 17, and look at the, the key verse that I mentioned in context. In verse 15, it says, the And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. So confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. So we just mentioned a few wrong ways to pray. And as I said, these are like, this is like a prerequisite to effective prayer. So if we look at this in context, there's three words that I, I like to pick out. Um, and the first one is faith. So without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? And... Without clear notes, you get lost. All right. I, looks like I... Uh... Oh, well. Anyway, we'll go for it. So those three words are faith, confess, and righteous. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. If anyone doubts in his heart... James tells us that you're unstable in all your ways and don't expect to get what you're praying for. Well, that's, that's pretty strong. <laughs> you want an effective prayer? Well, don't doubt. Well, how am I doing that? Well, it goes back to faith. Going back to who are we praying to? Who is God? Is he, is he God? Or is he just some kind of lottery. <laughs> Hopefully it'll come through. No, he's God. He created it all. Where is our faith? Um, our faith is key. That's like number one. Um, the prayer of a righteous man avails much. So confess your tres trespasses to one another. So confess is another one that jumped out to me in this passage. We confess our faults. 
And God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's that relationship. That's, that's how we start our relationship with God. It's that heart of repentance. It starts with confessing our sins, confessing that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and we accept the sacrifice that God made through Jesus Christ. We accept the fact that he took on our sin. We don't have it anymore. We can give it to him. He has forgiven us. And that is what makes us righteous. So righteousness is a gift. The Bible tells us that it is a gift from God. And it also tells us that there's another side to righteousness. It's like he who does righteous is righteous. Think about that. So there's an aspect of it that only God can do. And that's where it starts. And then we have an aspect. It's, again, part of this partnership that we have. He does the hard work. We get the easy part, right? His part is, has, is done. Jesus did it for us already. We just have to believe. And then after we believe, we have to put it into practice, what we believe. And our belief puts us in a, in a state where we can have a relationship with God, a loving relationship. A loving relationship means that we don't want to displease him. We want to do what is right in his sight. And then we will live righteously. And we're all going to mess up, right? Because we all do. We're human. But when we do, if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right, so we talked about a couple things uh, that we don't want to do. I want to get into a few more of these things that we don't want to do. And um, yeah, these are things that hinder our prayers. There's a, a list of things, and, and this is probably not an exhaustive list, but these are big things that hinder our prayers. Number one is doubt and unbelief. And we read, read in um, James 1, uh, 6 through 8, says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Another thing that hinders our prayers is a lack of love. Proverbs 21:13 says, those that shut their ears to, to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. Ouch. Another one is pride and selfishness. James 4.3 says, When you pray for things and you don't get them because you want them for the wrong reasons, for your own pleasure. So we have the wrong motives. And if those motives are for our pleasure, for our selfishness, that's the wrong reason. Another thing that will hinder our prayers is unforgiveness. Mark 11, 25 and 26. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, 
neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Wow, that is heavy. We all love, love to hear about how Jesus forgives us, how God forgives us. When Jesus taught to pray, this comes right after it. If you don't forgive others, God doesn't forgive you. How important. We can't, can't emphasize that enough. Forgiveness is so important. Another one is lack of reconciliation. I guess this kind of ties to unforgiveness. Matthew 5, 23, 24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way first. Be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Another one, unconfessed sin. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Of course, the Lord hears the prayer of the sinner who is looking for repentance. But if we have iniquity or sin unconfessed in our heart that we aren't giving up, that we aren't confessing, there's uh, no guarantee God's going to listen. Another one, it seems kind of obvious, right? Not God's will. 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have before him if we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. Glad for that. And then in the last one I want to bring up that can hinder your prayers. Because this is, if you don't read the Bible, you probably wouldn't even think this is something that has anything to do with prayer. But 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, you husbands live with your wives in an understanding way with great gentleness and tact and with an intelligent regard for their marriage relationship and with someone physically weaker since she is a woman. Show her honor and respect as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered or ineffective. Yeah. Got that, guys? Something tells me it goes both ways, girls. Okay, so to summarize this first section, um, we see that we know prayer is so important. We know that God answers prayer. We know that faith is super important. We know that we don't have to be super Christians, that um, we might be tempted uh, to think, as we read in, in James, that Elijah was a man like ours, but he prayed earnestly and it wouldn't rain and it didn't for three and a half years. And we think, well, Elijah must, he was a prophet, so he's like the super saint and that's why God answered his prayers. But now nah, James tells us that he was just an ordinary man, which tells me, an ordinary man like me, hey, guess what? I could pray like that too. Gives us hope. Amen. And we learn that we need to be righteous, which is let's confess our sin. Let's get the righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Okay. So now that we've looked at the prerequisites, let's get right with God. Let's come before him with faith. Let's avoid these things we aren't supposed to do. Avoid the things that hinder prayers. So how are we supposed to pray? Well, Jesus taught us that. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 14. 
This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Most of us here can probably recite that and probably have multiple times. And as I said before, Jesus didn't tell us this is how you pray just so we could regurgitate it back to him. He gave it to us as a blueprint to follow. It's a model prayer. So let's break it down. We, uh, you have an outline there that is taken from uh, a Dr. Larry Lee's book called Could You Not Tarry One Hour? And he breaks it down like this. First part is our Father in heaven. So we been, begin by calling him Father. So when we start our prayers, we start with thanksgiving. We can thank him for sending his son to redeem us, making us family, allowing us to call him Father. The Psalms tells us we come before his presence this way, with thanksgiving and praise and into his, into his courts with praise. But we enter his gates with thanksgiving. And this is what Jesus models here. He starts off by calling him our Father in heaven. So our Father, it's our Father, not just my Father, our Father. So we're not, only, we're not an only child. Others call him Father, and our relationships with other Christians, our siblings, is so important to God. Maybe that's why our prayers are hindered if we're treating our spouse or other Christians in a way that we shouldn't, in a way we haven't forgiven others. So our Father, acknowledging that we are adopted into the best family ever, what a privilege and what a joy we have in entering his presence. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that made it possible for us to call him Father. So our Father in heaven, he's not just an earthly father, he is in heaven. And prayer is requesting heaven to invade earth. It's allowing his super to join our natural. You could say there's a protocol to entering God's presence. In Psalm 100, we're told, verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. In Philippians uh, chapter 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Take delight, pleasure in him. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all people, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, by prayer with, and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And it's yours. So we start with thanksgiving and praise. We focus our, on God. We focus on his attributes, his promises, his love. And by doing this, we set our minds on things above. And this raises our level of faith. As we mentioned before, you've got to come to God in faith, right? Believing. 
And we do this when we focus on him and who he is and his attributes. So we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Jesus, John 14, 6, as Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And John 16, 23 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So there is a protocol for entering God's presence. Think of... If you wanted to go visit the president, would you be able to just walk in, say, how you doing, Joe? I'm here. <laughs> uh, probably not. It'd be uh, security all over you, and you can't even go into the president of your company that you work for, most likely. You know, if you have a small company, you might have an open-door policy here, but usually they have a secretary or something that has a calendar, and you got to get on the calendar. But as children, we don't have to go through a secretary to talk to our fathers, right? We just go to our fathers. We don't have a, a henchman um, saying, sorry, Benjamin, you can't come to me until you <laughs> get through this guy here, my bodyguard, you know. But um, we come to God in the name of Jesus because Jesus paved the way. It was because of his blood sacrifice that we can enter the presence of God. So we come to the Father in the name of Jesus. All right. We acknowledge his position as Father in heaven. He's the creator of all, ruler of the universe. Ah, Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Nothing is too difficult for you. What a good way to come before God. So we remember first the key word to effective prayer is faith. So as we fix our focus on who he is, what he's done, our faith grows and our problems shrink. So this is a key to properly pray solutions rather than bring in our complaints. You might want to rehearse, forever you are faithful, forever you are good. You're a good, good father. So the next section here is how will it be your name? So we praise the names of God, which are revelations of his divine nature. And through praise, we enter into the presence of God. He is holy. He is separated for praise, glory, and adoration. So it's a great time to lift up his names and his attributes. So let's look at a few. You know, we have, not too long ago, we had life groups where we went through a book on all the names of God. So this could be a good uh, refresher for some of you. First one, Jehovah Sitkanu, God our righteousness. And Jehovah Mikadesh, the God who sanctifies. So we thank God for the blood of Jesus, for forgiveness of sins, for making us the righteousness of God in Christ. We thank him for cleansing us and setting us apart for his purposes. 
Our sins, past, present, future, are already forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And all I have to do is confess my sin and appropriate that forgiveness. The next one is Jehovah Shalom. God is peace. And Jehovah Shammah, God is present. Christ's atonement removed the barrier of sin separating us from God. And we can enjoy his presence and experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. He will never leave us or forsake us. Another thing to be thankful for. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, I am made whole because of the stripes of Jesus. We thank him for what he's already done for us. And we give him praise for who he is. He is the healer. So we don't have to beg, oh God, please heal me. Instead, you are the God who heals. And I praise you for who you are. You know, it's a, it's a different um, way, way of coming. I mean, again, you think about it, you come into your friend or your, um, or even coming, let's say you're going to your doctor. <laughs> and uh, if you, you're at the doctor because you expect to get some help, right? You don't go to the doctor thinking, eh, I don't know why I'm even here. It's like you wouldn't even go if that was the case, right? But you expect to get some answers. Well, how much more do we expect from God? He is the healer. That's who he is. We can expect him to heal. So we don't have to come as beggars. We come as children. Jesus said healing is the children's bread. And so we can come to him and expect healing. So this part of the prayer when we come in before God, it's, it's not about us. It's all about Him. It's honoring Him, and it builds our faith because of who He is. The next one, Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. We praise Him for the cross. He took our sins, our failures, our insufficiencies, and exchanged them for His righteousness. And He made us more than conquerors. He sees our need before we even ask. And he can provide it for us. It's already on the way because he knows. But yet, a lot of times, he waits for us to ask. He wants us to be dependent on him. He, again, he loves that partnership. If we just ran off and did things on our own. We know what happened when that happened with Abraham. And uh, we have an Ishmael. And there's been fighting ever since with Isaac and Ishmael. We want to partner with God and not run off on our own. So God sees our need before we ask. And he redeemed us from the curse of failure, inferiority, and falling short. Next one, Jehovah Nisi, God my banner. And Jehovah Rohi, God my shepherd. His banner is victory over our head. John 10, 27 and 28. He will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death and into the house of the Lord will, where I will dwell forever. He is my shepherd. So when praising him, we are focused on him and we enter his presence. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. There are pleasures forevermore. He will keep us in perfect peace 
as our minds are stayed on him. Then with our hearts full of joy and peace and being full of faith, then we're ready to bring our petitions before him. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So even before we bring our petitions, we got to get our priorities straight. This is all, this part of the prayer is about establishing and living out priorities. We acknowledge that he reigns in his kingdom, so we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We decree his word. Scholars have told us that this section literally translated is, come your kingdom, be done your will. And it's not that we're commanding God to do anything, but we are agreeing with and partnering with him. And we enforce his word by decreeing his kingdom and his will. So why did Jesus tell us to pray for God's will to be done? I mean, he's certainly capable of making that happen all on his own, right? He chooses to partner with us. There it is again. He creates and we cultivate. So here we can pray for ourselves. We pray for our family. You know, this isn't to be selfish, but we have to get our priorities right. We get our relationship with God right first, right? And his kingdom come first. So we want to get our priorities straight, and then we want to get our life straight. So before we can be of any benefit to anybody else, we got to get our life straight with God. So it's okay to pray for your own needs. And as we get in later, you'll see it's give us our daily bread. It's us, and we are going to reach out to others. But when we start, we start by going to God, and then we need to make sure our relationship with God is strong. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So we can pray, Lord, let your righteousness, your joy, your peace be in me today. Will of God be done in my life this day. Nothing less, nothing else than the high calling of God. Good to pray for our family. You know, if, if we're doing good and our family's not doing good, it's again hard for us to reach out to others beyond our family because they're so important to us. So we pray for our families. Lord, be with my family today. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my spouse's life, in our marriage, in my children's lives. And it's good to call out each one of them by name, each family member, declaring God's will be done in their life. Say, Father, may my children and name them by name. Seek you first, your kingdom and your righteousness, and everything else will be added to them. It's good to pray for our pastors, our church, our leadership in the church, the faithful people. Pray for the harvest of souls. So uh, Dr. Larry Lee showed a specific way to pray for the church, and he based this on Isaiah 43, 4 through 8. And it says, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life, 
Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I have formed and made. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. So then he actually taught his church to speak to the north as if it was a person. And he'd say, because the Bible says, principalities and powers rule over certain areas. So north, which way is north? I've turned around here. That way. So you turn to the north and say, north, give them up. Give them up. Let all the pre-saved come in and receive Christ. Amen. And command the harvest of the Lord to come. Draw people to Jesus and plant them in our church. That's what he teach. That's a good thing to do. So Lord, draw them from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. Draw them in to this place so they can be discipled for you. Amen. So we pray for our church. We pray for our nation, our towns, our states, our nation, our, all the influencers. We pray for Israel in the world. Let's go on to the next section. Give us this day our daily bread. And this is a topic that shows us how to appropriate God's provision for our physical and material needs. Um, here's some basic things to start with. Number one, be in the will of God. Our prayer life, church, work habits, obedience and giving, all these things are super important. Um, in Matthew 6, Jesus said to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So believe it's God's will to prosper you. It's God's will to answer these prayers that are in accordance with his will, his word. Remember that Jehovah Jireh is our provider. And recall scriptures from Deuteronomy 28 that list all these promises that come to the obedient. We need scriptural backing to have the confidence that we need before the Lord. It's always good to have scripture when you're praying. You have a certain need, find a scripture that talks to that need. Pray that scripture, because then you know it's the will of God. And if it's the will of God, it's going to be effective. It's going to be answered. It's the will of God. You know, a lot of times we say, well, it's the will of God, and I prayed, and it didn't happen. Well, God's timing fits into it too. If it's God's will and you prayed it, guess what? It's going to happen. It's the way it works. So we have to be specific and tenacious. Specific because if we just ask in general, oh Lord, bless everybody here tonight. How do I know if that's ever come to pass? You know, how, how do I know that that prayer is answered? But when you're specific, and ask for something specific, then you know when it happens, 
and it's, then you give God thanks, it builds your faith, and you go on, and you can pray for bigger things, because your faith is built, right? And we need to be tenacious, because even um, the prayer of Daniel, Daniel is a great man of God, and he prayed, and prayed, and prayed, and, <laughs> and um, the answer didn't come for quite a while, right? And, in, and after it finally his prayer was answered, he said, God, how come it took so long? And he said, because there was the prince of the power of Persia that was fighting against. I had to send in extra help. God can send the archangels in to, to help. Michael came in to help out. So we need to, there, there's reasons. You know, we don't always know what those reasons are, why prayers aren't answered immediately, why well, even things that are praying in accordance with God's will. We don't know the reasons, but we know that we are to pray and to keep on praying. We know Jesus gave the parable of the, of the lost coin and how the lady searched and searched and searched until she found it. And that was to give us an example of, you know, who cares about a silly little lost coin, right? But it's important to us. It's important to God. But you got to keep at it. You got to keep with it. Persistence in prayer is important. So again, when you pray specifically, you'll see this specific result and it'll raise our faith. Luke 18, 1, Jesus taught that men ought to always pray and not give up. So don't stop until your prayers are answered. You might have heard the acronym PUSH. Pray until something happens. Next section is, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So you may have asked God to forgive you in the beginning, and it's a good time to pray David's prayer from Psalm 139. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting when something comes to mind, confess it and turn from it. All right, I need to start moving on faster. I'm running out of time here. All right, we talked about how important forgiveness is. So I'm going to move on to um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He's telling us here to pray uh, that forces beyond our control would not lead us into trials. But watch and pray against entering into temptation through our own carelessness or disobedience. We don't have to learn things the hard way. But we can be instructed and warned and trained by his word and the examples of others. So we pray to be delivered from evil as we put on the armor of God through prayer. And we put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6, 14 through 18 tells us that. And it's good to pray through this. My wife prays, I'm going to say almost every morning. She puts on the armor of God and uh, puts on the belt of truth. And as you put on the belt of truth, say, Jesus, you are my righteousness. You are my truth. The word, your word is truth. And Jesus is the word, right? You put on the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus, you are my righteousness. And you became sin that I might become the righteousness of God. And we have our feet fitted with the preparation or readiness of the gospel of peace. 
and say, Jesus, you are my readiness, and I can do all things through your strength. And we take up the shield of faith. And Jesus, I know in your name I can withstand the fiery darts of the wicked. Okay, put on the helmet of salvation. Obviously, Jesus is the author of my salvation. And you cover my head in the day of battle. And I have the mind of Christ. And we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And Jesus, you are the Word made flesh. You are my living Word. So we could pray a hedge of protection around ourselves and around our family using Psalm 91. And uh, I'm not going to take the time right now to get, that in, get into all of that, but go into Psalm 91 and um, pray that over yourself. And there are some conditions in there about how we are um, to take refuge in him. And we love him and acknowledge his great name. And because we love him, these promises come of protection. And because we put our trust in him. So go into Psalm 91. Go through those verses and pray those over yourself, over your family, over your loved ones. So the Lord's Prayer opens and closes in praise. So it's a great time to make faith declarations and be bold in faith. God hears and answers prayer. So we return to praise. We have come before him with praise and thanksgiving. And as I said, that builds our faith. And then it's easier to bring our requests before him, right? And then when we return to him with praise and thanksgiving, thanking him for what he's about to do. So, and we pray, give him praise and say the kingdom is his. And he has invited us to be participants. So we can declare 2 Timothy 4.18. says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. We are going to share in this heavenly kingdom. The kingdom is his and we can participate in it. But it's his kingdom and we give him the praise. Luke 10 uh, verse 19 I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Wow. Part of power. His is the kingdom. His is the power. And again, he shares that with us. And we can use the authority that we have in his name to declare these things. And we have that authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, overcome the power of the enemy. And we need to make these declarations as we pray. Because prayer can be, or is at times, depending on what you're doing, it's war, it's warfare, all right? And we use scripture, which is our sword in warfare. And he gives strength in Isaiah 40, 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Deuteronomy 18, I'm sorry, 8, 18. He gives power to attain wealth. In 1 Peter 1, 5, we are kept by his power. Through faith, we are shielded by God's power 
until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And 1 Corinthians 6.14, he will raise up, he will raise us up by his mighty power. It says, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Lots of stuff there to give God praise for. Lots of stuff to say, God, it is your kingdom, your power, and you deserve the glory. The glory is his. God's glory is manifest. It is the manifest perfection of his character. We fall short, but we are justified. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Wow, his is the glory. And he shares that with us too. He's so good. The kingdom, the power, the glory all belong to the Father. They're all his and he shares them with us because of the provision of his son. So we may enter, we may never enter or leave his presence without humbly bowing before him and offering a sacrifice of praise. So Lord, I thank you. It is such a privilege to come before you. Such a privilege to know that we have access to your throne room. Such a privilege to know that you have cleansed us from all unrighteousness. You have made us your children and you have given us the seal of your Holy Spirit in us and given us the authority to trample over the scorpions and the snakes and overcome the power of the enemy. We thank you, God, that the kingdom is yours and your kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom that will never end. We thank you that we can be a part of it. And Father, we give you all the praise, all the glory. We know we don't deserve any of that. It all belongs to you. And any praise that we get, we give back to you. For you alone are worthy. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.